0: Hello, and welcome to the All Better Off podcast, a gambling addiction recovery podcast brought to you by those with lived experience. If you're here and having difficulties with gambling, please reach out. There are plenty of people on your side. There's a comprehensive list of support services over on our website, www.allbetteroff.co.uk. It's now time to crack on with the pod.
1: Hello everyone, Ryan here, and welcome to season three of the All Bets Are Off podcast. Today we've got an episode that I've been wishing to put together for quite some time, as on a personal level, it's rather pertinent and something that's most definitely relatable. Anyone that knows my own story will know towards the end latter end of me being an active addiction online slots caused me a great deal of harm and in fact they still do to this day to explore this topic a little more i've been joined by scott russell who like me became addicted to online slots Alongside us, we've Dr. Luke Clark from over in Vancouver, Director of the Center for Gambling Research at the University of British Columbia and Professor in the Department of Psychology. Luke has done a lot of research into the dopamine impact of slot design, and we're hoping he'll be able to break down some of this harm for us. Now, as a word of warning, this conversation today will include open and vivid discussion surrounding online slots. And so, if this could be triggering, I would advise you to turn off now later on in the show i'll be chatting to josh from fruity slots who as a slot streamer himself i'm keen to hear his views on the ethics of being an affiliate and streaming along with a whole bunch of other things so please make sure you stick around for that without further ado let's get on with the show First up, Scott, uh, we've already had an off-air discussion, and from that, it was clear to gauge that we have a lot in common. How are you feeling about sharing your experiences with us today?
2: Uh, yeah, um, I think it's kind of the right moment for me over the last three, well, nearly three years. Um, it's been since I self-excluded. So during that time, it's been a bit of a journey. Um, not a nice one, but I'm I'm getting there eventually. But now seems the right time that I, I'm comfortable with sharing my story and hopefully can help someone out there. Even if it's one person, it doesn't doesn't matter, it can help someone. So that's why I'm doing it. Brilliant, and uh, that's great to hear. And
1: Luke, uh, thank you for taking time out of your schedule today from all the way over in Vancouver. Following the original discussion that I had with Scott, I became increasingly uh, keen to invite a specialist like yourself to break down the psychology and, and I guess, neuroscience, among other things, around Scott's and, indeed, my relationship with online slots and some of the traumas we still have to this very day. Uh, For our listeners that may not know, could you please provide a little bit of background uh, for us? Uh,
3: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. I'm Luke Clark. I'm, I'm a psychologist at the University of British Columbia in, in Vancouver, in Canada. Um, I run a lab uh, called the Centre for Gambling Research. I'm British, uh, and I moved to Canada in 2014. Uh, I worked for a number of years in, in Cambridge, and. Um, yeah, for the last 15 years or so, my research has, has focused around various aspects of gambling behavior, decision making, um, neuroscience, but uh, all of our research really is, is trying to better understand problem gambling, to understand it as a uh, behavioral uh, addiction, and to understand the, the role of gambling products in the development of gambling harm.
1: Brilliant. Thank you very much. And uh, Scott, let's take it from the top with yourself. Um, to some degree, you and I uh, have a very similar story, but there are some noticeable differences. Uh, we're both big football fans and uh, that's where it started out for you. Is is that correct? And what from what age did you first start betting on the football?
2: So I played a lot of football all my life um, and I was playing, started to go into the men's football around 17, 18. Um, and that's when it kind of just, it was just a normal thing to do. It just. You know, you'd get up in the morning, you'd have a bit of breakfast and then it was get together with your mates. And, right, let's put some bets on for the football today. And it it wasn't big. It wasn't, you know, it was it was like one pound, two pound accumulators. And that was exciting at the time, you know. It was like you could win 20,000 from this accumulator. It was never going to happen, but it was a bit of fun. And that's all it was. And that, that, that carried on until, you know, the day I started on, on the slots. And it was all normal. It was, I wasn't interested in... Fruit machines, um, going to the casino, playing cards, roulette, you know, nothing interested me. I could go to anywhere and just not be bothered at all.
1: And I guess that's where the the key differences between our stories is and our entry to the world of online slots. I, you know, for, for me for me as our listeners will know, I was a, a gambling a gambling addict of around 13 and a half years before the fixed or betting terminals restrictions came into play and that's basically how I ended up jumping onto online slots to fill a void. But for you it was sort of it was through advertising, is that correct? Soft advertising, wasn't it? And uh, how did you make that uh, transition I guess from a in control by all accounts football better to uh, these online slot machines
2: so I signed up to something called the profit accumulator because I was looking for something just an additional income because I've always been like that just just something to earn on the side it's basically a website that posts all the bet betting website offers that you can get you know like you you pay 10 pound you get another 10 pound bet for free and it literally posts what, probably about a hundred of those offers onto their website. You be, you become a member of that site, you pay a monthly fee. Um, so I was doing that for quite a while. And then it started to get to the slots offers. Again, it was all new to me. And I remember just, just going through the offers. I did a few. And then one of them was to do the wager requirements of 35 wager, um, which, again, I knew nothing about. So it was like was trying to do this wager requirement and I hit a big win on the Batman slot and it was all these interactive things happening on my screen I didn't know what was going on and the next minute I've got nearly 900 pounds in my account from something like a one or two pound spin and that was the worst thing that ever happened to me.
1: I was going to say, it's strange how we can recall our first interaction with online slot machines, you know, as if it were yesterday. And like you, my first interaction on an online slot machine was a a fruitful one where, you know, I was uh, spinning spinning a two pound stake and, you know, I had a really big hit within the first 35 spins. And, you know, I've I've gambled for 15 years and I can still remember these intermittent sort of moments uh, which certainly shine out. And that was from the very start of gambling when I had a positive, positive financial experience let's say, and also my first interaction with, with slot machines. Now, Luke, you've done a, a fair bit of research into the dopamine impact of slot machines. Now, how does that work? Um, and also, why is it that the creators of these slots often model them and characters? I know that Scott just picked up on there that his first game was was Batman.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of research around emotional memories, which I, I think is what, what we're talking about here. And and in, in psychology, we, we usually Uh, Think about emotional memories as um, as very uh, uh, negative experiences, like a a trauma, or like a a flashbulb memory for remembering exactly where you were when there was a uh, like the nine eleven attacks uh, is a is a, a common example. Um, But the same principles apply to um, positive, exciting, rewarding memories, which which is what we're talking about here, like an early um, gambling win. These events trigger a a complicated physiological response. Part Part of that is the fight or flight response. And, and some of the hormones that are involved in that response uh, strengthen the laying down of, of um, the memory trace and and bring in some uh, additional brain areas, some emotional brain areas that wouldn't be involved in uh, a non-emotional memory. So part, part of the brain called the, the amygdala. So that makes this a very uh, stable and easily accessed memory going forward. What what I think from from the, the anecdotes that you've both had there, which is, is, is more unusual, is that in the gambling field we often talk about the significance of early big wins right at the start of a gambler's journey into, into gambling, like the first couple of times that they ever bet. But in, 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 um, in, in those anecdotes, that, that didn't seem to be what we were, we were talking about. This is an introduction to a new form of gambling, but how that is still accessing the same sort of uh, effect.
1: Thanks for that Luke. Now going back to you Scott, we would have been similar ages when we transitioned to online slots. I was 30 31 and you would have been about 32 years of age. Now I ask you to uh, answer some questions on the problem gambling severity index as if you were just prior to your online slots experience as in, you know, this this football better which was very small stakes in control by all accounts and you actually scored 0. Now I would assume uh, because of that um you didn't have any issues whatsoever prior to your experience with slots. Now, can I just how ask how quickly things escalated? So you've gone from literally zero on the PGSI to all of a sudden your very first interaction and how quickly did you become hooked?
2: To be honest, for a while it was a lot of fun and I was enjoying it. I was quite in control. You know, I'd I'd been on the settee with my, my wife, um, next to me and I'd have my laptop open and it was normal. It wasn't, you know, I was having a few bonus wins here and there and I was in control. And I think I won about, I think I was about two grand up or something. Went to bed that night and by the morning when my wife came down, that had gone and it was like, oh, okay, that's great. Um, and from then on, it was like, right, I started pulling money out. I'm a self-employed uh, person, so I started pulling money out of tax accounts that I put away for my tax, my VAT, and it slowly started pulling from you know each direction, and then eventually, the worst thing I did was um, started betting on my credit cards. And at the time, I had a lot of credit cards um, with nothing on, um, with a high credit limit, and you know, it, I suppose it took around what nine months, maybe. From from the moment I started, you know, at the beginning, to when it I started losing control.
1: When you say nine months, in terms of from that nine month period, when was the financial impact, for example, really starting to take a hold? Was was that nine months down the road, or had you already taken a bunch of other credit
2: cards by that time? It was it was nothing. It was no new credit cards. It was always credit cards I had. Um, but I did have some personal loans that I ended up having to you know redo. Um, I, I've done that a couple of times. Um, I mean I don't know if this is unusual for me to other people but I've never missed a payment I've always um I grew up with my stepmom she's a bank manager and you know finances are always important um so I've always kind of stayed in control in that side so you know I've never been in trouble in that side um I've always always paid my bills on time never missed anything like that and that was always important to me but at the same time, it's cost me a lot of money because of the loans I've got. And it, I suppose the good credit history that I had has helped me in the long run. And and the job that I have, the, the cash flow that I do have coming in is pretty frequent. It's not helped because obviously uh, business-wise is, you know, I, I have been behind on some things with, um I don't know, tax payments and things like that, if we really want to go into detail. But eventually I've got there. You know, what I mean,
1: But I think that I think that shows, if anything, something slightly something more scary here in a sense where, you know, we've got someone who would have called zero on the PGSI and then also someone that's, you know, by all accounts has always been really good financially. Um, and that sort of shows just how indiscriminate this can be. And lastly, uh, before I ask Luke a quick question, can you just talk about in terms of the impact on your mental health? And uh, did that deteriorate quickly as well?
2: Yeah, that is something that I've never had to deal with. And then slowly my mental health just absolutely, I just shot it. I really did. Um, I've gone from being a happy, healthy, quite a fit guy, you know, playing football all the time, socialising with friends to... A pretty um, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. I isolate myself. Um, I have anxiety, anxiety levels, and you know, if I get together with friends now, I don't really know what to say because I've been away from them so much. You know, things like that, and I've never dealt with that before. Um, I've never been to the doctors or ever. I'm quite a stubborn guy. Um, so I've never. I don't know, I've never really reached out for help to go to the doctors or anything. I've always thought, you know, I've got myself into this mess. I'm going to try and get myself out of it. And having a really supportive wife and two great kids, um, I think that's helped a lot. Um, it's kept me kind of there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I'm sure we'll come on to that shortly in terms of the traumas that say the, the uh, something that both you and I still experience in recovery from our uh, addiction specifically to online slots. And Luke, from your experience, just how dangerous are online slots? You know, even for someone that may not have had any problems or compulsion to gamble previously, as per Scott's uh, story.
3: Yeah, like I think Scott's given a you know a very um, you know honest and, and heartbreaking um, description there, and 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 there are certainly you know a lot of elements of that that are, um, are sadly very um, very very familiar. There's the, there's the sort of initial chasing of, of when the you know the two grand disappeared overnight, and and how many of the complicated harms of gambling really sort of arise from from the financial losses like that's the sort of bottleneck or the, the sort of conduit for for a lot of these negative consequences for for the risks of online slots like that's a, a, a big question for me because it it it, it links together two of the somewhat separate programs of research that that my lab have been doing in Vancouver over the last five or six years. One of our main um, programs of research is around physical or um, uh, land-based casino uh, slot machines in in Canada and understanding why those um, land-based slot machines are a a high risk form of gambling. Uh, Another program of of research is around um, online gambling. So when we think about online slots, we, we need to bear in mind Find that structurally or, or psychologically, these are, are very similar games to a, a fruit machine in a pub or a slot machine in a casino. But um, at the same time, when you move that game um, online, it, it does create a range of, of additional concerns. And, and the, the most obvious one is the very high uh, accessibility that particularly with 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 smartphones, any of us can access a gambling website within uh, you know seconds, more or less, wherever we we are. Um, uh, so that that makes the accessibility you know pretty much as, as high as it can be. But there are you know a number of other things, more subtle things in the in the background with online gambling as well. One is the the payment is is quite different. So rather than playing with um, with cash. Online gambling is using a digital payment like a bank card. And there's a lot of um, research in, in consumer psychology showing that people find it harder to keep track of their gambling and to cont- uh, con- keep track of their spending and, and, and control their spending um, when it's more uh, distant or more abstract from the, the, the money itself. This is an idea called the pain of paying. And then there's also a bit more of um, a sort of nebulous set of factors with online gambling, some of which Scott was, was sort of hinting at around the seclusion, the privacy. And the the immersiveness of the online environment, we, we've um, done quite a bit of research on on, on how physical slot machines are um, immersive. Gamblers um, lose track of time, they lose track of where they are, perhaps um, who they are, while they're uh, gambling on a on a slot machine, and, and and that tendency is is associated with gambling problems as well. And, and then what we don't know, and where I think the research needs to go next, is is looking at how that immersiveness might be amplified even further for for an online game. Because with online, the, the gambler can really kind of shape their own home environment. If they want to, you know, gamble wearing headphones or whatever to to block out what, what's going on around them, they they can as well. So I, I think that's very possible, and we we don't have the research on that yet.
1: Brilliant. And Scott, for you, um, in our offline discussion, sorry, off recording discussion, I should say, um, obviously this is something that you said that you would often, you know, you know, park to one side on your lunch break and lose track of time.
2: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a lunch break in the end, you know, I, I could spend three hours, uh, sit up in my van and it's like, Oh God, you know, my, suddenly my day has gone. And being a courier driver, um, that's not the best of things. You know, I would get home late, um, extra late and, um, you but know, oh, sorry, I've had a really busy day today, you know. No, I haven't. I've been, you know, spending a couple of thousand on gambling in my van, you know, and it's just, it was just horrible, you know. It, it, you're lying all the time, you know, and it, it wasn't just there, you know. There, there was times, you know, I'd be on stag do sometimes. I've been on golf holidays and, you know, I'd sneak away into the toilets or something and do a few spins, you know. It's just, it's pathetic looking back at it, you know what I mean, but... You just don't think of anything else that's you are in the zone there's there's nothing else you want to do than to play those games
1: that's something that I can definitely um obviously understand uh, myself and from my own personal experience as I mentioned earlier you know I transitioned from a, a fixed up betting terminals to, to online slots and to be honest although you know I'd always dabbled in in all forms of gambling, including uh, online table games and and poker, alongside my daily sports betting when in in, in active addiction, I had never been attracted to online slots. And I think it's because, looking from, from an outsider's perspective before I'd actually found it, I thought the stakes were too low. And obviously, I soon learned that that wasn't the case. And I would say that the damage I did both emotionally and financially in that last year to 18 months or so of my 15-year addiction whilst playing slots was on a whole other level to anything else, anything else. And for me, uh, one of the key drivers, uh, something that I really wanted to touch upon, was watching online slot streamers. And now, Scott, um, how long was it into your addiction before you began watching slot
2: streamers? For me, it was actually probably towards the end because I, I don't know. I was, I don't know how it started, to be honest, but I know it's towards the end and I was, I was... I was actually searching big wins on YouTube um, to see what other people had won on which games and things like that. And obviously a few streamers came up and I just started, you know, casually watching a few of them. Um, and I do to this day, I, there's still one I watch this day. Um, although I have kind of promised to myself that I'm going to come away from it after speaking to you, right? And That is my next goal is to, you know, prize my way, way away from that now. Uh, and that's the next step of recovery, really.
1: Thanks for that, Scott. And and obviously you've been in recovery for three years now. And uh, one thing that you know I did find particularly interesting there is similar to myself that you still watch lot streams. Now, not a lot of our listeners uh, will will know that about myself, and it's. Purely because opportunity hasn't presented itself. I've been really wanting to do uh, this sort of discussion on the podcast for the previous two seasons. And uh, so, yeah, and Luke, bringing you into that, why is it that we still in recovery, having not gambled for three years and, you know, 10 months respectively, why do we still tap into online streams? For, like, for me, this is um, it's a it's a
3: fascinating discussion, and and it's something that ha- has not received um, very much a, a attention uh, at all in, in in terms of research. It it, it sounds like this is uh, you know, quite a quite a kind of deliberate uh, an, an intentional thing to do, perhaps as a way of of controlling cravings and controlling uh, an urge to gamble. And so, uh, at a very simple level. It, it is a, a better outlet to to watch some some video streamed content than to actually go back into real money gambling uh, yourself. So that's something to to bear in mind. And in, and it it reminds me of of two other sort of trends in the in the gambling field. And, and I wonder what, what, what you both um, think about this. What, what one is, um, is social casino games. Uh, social casino games are, are, are free-to-play games that are um, based on standard gambling themes. And the other is um, demo games through actual online gambling websites. And, and again, both of those things could, could
2: also serve as a, as a similar uh, outlet. For me, I did do the free play for a while, but it's I don't know I think again if if you're in recovery there's going to be steps that you probably do with online slots. I did do that for a while again i've I've come away from it um, but I still watch the streamers I mean, I watch the streamers because i'm I'm there chopping away doing the cooking or something, and it's just on the side, so it's just something there while i'm I'm just keeping busy you know, but again, you know it's something I want to come away from it's the next step for me.
1: Yeah, I definitely think there's something medicinal about watching slot streamers, not just as a form of of an entertainment, but, um, I mean, for example, you just touched touched upon social casinos and, you know, social games and such, and ones where you don't have to put any stakes in or possibly play games where there's nothing. But the thing is, is that wouldn't bring me fulfillment because there's no wins there. Even through a slot streamer, for example, is, you know, they're still, I'm almost living that experience of real money through them. If that makes sense, and um, what I will say is for our listeners is I would not advise anyone in their recovery to do this. By the way, for, for absolute sure. And what I'm trying to do is I'm weaning myself off. It's almost sort of kind of like a drug, and I am weaning myself off. And um, as Scott just said, that's something that I'm really looking to, to to end as soon as possible.
3: Like I don't think we 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 know in 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 terms of the science. Uh, how common um, this is as a, as a as a as a sort of strategy that recovering gamblers might might use. Intuitively, uh, I'd agree that for for a gambler who's who's doing this a lot, who's doing this regularly, uh, that may well be be slowing down the the recovery journey, and, and in a sense, they be be better to. Develop um, new activities and new hobbies um, that, that, that don't involve these kind of powerful, um, powerful cues. There is there's, there's one study that I'm aware of, and it's by um, a group in Ottawa, uh, Michael Walls' uh, lab in in Canada, and and this did show that um, uh, gamblers who who also play social casino games. That some of them did report using social casino games to to reduce their their urges, and that those gamblers also reported re- reported reductions in their in their gambling in, involvement and it was quite a preliminary study and I, I I think this this conversation has has made me think that uh, we, we should look at trying to collect similar data about um, the use of the the streaming um, platforms as
1: well certainly very uh, very very interesting and Scott, for you. You still have vivid dreams of playing slots even three years later. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, you, you have the odd one that pops up. It's more of a nightmare, to be honest, because you're always winning a lot of money and then you wake up and it's not there um, and you feel sick. And it's just that, I don't know, it's, I mean, you, you know the feeling, Ryan, when you've either won a lot and it's amazing and you get that buzz and then the feeling where you've absolutely rock bottom. And it's, that, it's more that rock bottom feeling. You feel sick when you wake up um it's just strange you know i don't know why it happens but you know it's probably only twice a year maybe or something like that it does it does creep in but it's not nice
1: yeah and and i i mean there's been a couple of times in fact it only happened to me literally not long ago and i the 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 the, the dream was that vivid or nightmare as you quite rightly say was that vivid is i woke up in sweats thinking that i'd gambled and i literally checked my phone and just to make sure that I hadn't made any transactions, it was that vivid. Is that something that people in recovery, particularly, and, and it's interesting, it's not like I dream, for example, of football betting, which I did for 15 years. It's not like I dream of playing poker, uh, which I did for 15 years plus. Luke, is there something there in that? Why is it online slots that I get these sorts of, It, or it maybe it's because I'm still watching slot streams, I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'm... I'm... I'm I'm not sure about the, the 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 you know the dreaming um flashbacks but 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 what we do know um a, a lot about in terms of the psychology behind this is is about learning it's what in addiction science is called cue uh, reactivity so uh, across all um uh, addictions objects that are are associated with the addiction take on these very um, powerful and, and kind of magnetic properties. So, you know, to use a, a non-gambling example, in a in a smoker, for example, the examples would be the cigarette packets, the ashtray, the lighters, and and the more complex, like the places where you might go to take your cigarette breaks. These all become very uh, powerful stimuli. And in the case of online slots, these are um, d- designed uh games they're games that involve a lot of um uh sort of uh, attractive um jingles and on audio visuals and those um cues we can we can learn about very very easily and i can imagine how in in the case of of dreaming it's it's that sort of um intense stimulation that that might um kind of come back to you
1: yeah and very very interesting i mean sort of Enjoying this sort of live therapy um, is is, is quite interesting and Scott um, Obviously, I I wanted to ask yourself um, a bit more uh, from a political side of of things, I guess, you know, obviously you had uh, experience of, of gambling harm and you've been in recovery for three years now what sort of things stand out from a slots perspective in terms of how can legislation reduce harm, and what would you like to see introduced?
2: I don't. I mean, straight away. I mean, I signed up to. I I probably only ended slots um, because of GamStop, and I that literally came in in the March, and I signed up to it straight away, and that that's just self-excluding me from absolutely everything. You know, I I can't touch a thing, and that's that pretty much saved me. Um but if I was if that wasn't there and I was still dabbling in here and there, the one worry that I had, or the one problem that I had with it all, is that I would win a lot of money, I'd go to uh, withdraw it, and that was sitting there for like three or four days until they verify your account, or you know, that, that initial verifying your account was really, really bad. Because I just go back and I just grab that that money straight, you know, within a few hours or a day. That's back in my account and I've spent it and I'm probably putting more back in. So going forward, I would like, if people are doing it, is to get those accounts verified when you sign up. Because, you know, giving that person that just a little bit of a chance to think about it, it helps. It really helps. Um, And then going forward from that, if you are withdrawing, don't let them touch the money after that. That's their withdrawal. Let it go back into their account. Don't let them have access to that money ever again. If they want to put it back in after that, that's fair enough. But just let them withdraw that money.
1: And and uh, thanks for that, Scott. And for for you, Luke. Um, obviously your this is you know something that you research an awful lot. Um, from a legislative side, um, what can be done to protect consumers and particularly vulnerable uh, people? Um, you know, like uh, Scott and I were or are. Yeah, that's another. That's a
3: a really you know a a big question again. The the UK, like uh, many parts of the world uh, at the moment, is is beginning to embrace a a public health approach to to gambling and gambling harm. And I suppose like for me, front and center of a public health approach is the idea that there are 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 many many different um, routes to harm reduction. So. Part of this, without doubt, is, um, is, is improved uh, treatment services and, and self exclusion um, uh, programs. Uh, and, and those are, are, are a couple of the things that are, are directed to more severe. Uh, people with gambling problems. But also part of that is is early education, uh, about the risks of gambling within school, for example. Part of this in the UK over the last year has been um, uh, banking uh, blocks so that someone can block spending on a, a gambling website on their debit card or on their uh, credit card. Careful regulation of um, advertising is a huge part of that, and you know th- those those points there are just the, the the sort of start of it. What what I do feel, and and some of the things we've we've talked about today, is a a particular challenge for regulators is the the explosion and the proliferation of, of new technologies, you know, a, a fascinating insight today into, uh, into streaming of gambling content, but um, also uh, personalized marketing through of gambling products through social media. Uh, we're seeing uh, uh, also a lot of work in term a lot of um, technological developments uh, in terms of gambling content in, in video games. So the, the science and the research and um, gambling policy inevitably lag behind those technological developments. You now, it's, 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 it's inherently uh, difficult to legislate something that we, you know, hasn't been, you know, that doesn't exist yet. But we need to have some, some really tough conversations about how to shorten that uh, lag and try to predict um what new tech is coming around the corner and and sort of preempt those those harms
1: brilliant thanks guys join us after the break for my discussion with josh from fruity slots now it must be said this isn't in any way shape or form to glamorize online slots primarily we are a recovery podcast but from time to time we may invite guests on to bring an alternate perspective once again i would like to remind our listeners that in this next discussion we do talk about gambling and online slots specifically and in a bit more detail and if you sense that this could be triggering then we would advise you to turn off now otherwise stick around and i'll see you in a moment
3: Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. The All Bets Are Off podcast is brought to you in association with Gamban. Gamban is software you can install on all of your devices to stop yourself from online gambling. Several of the team behind Gamban have experienced their own problems with gambling, which led to the creation of the product. It's now been shown to be the most effective blocking software for blocking online gambling and a useful tool to help with recovery. Visit gamban.com for a 7-day free trial. Now, though, it's time to get back into the pod.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to part two of today's show. I've been joined by slot streamer Josh from Fruity Slots, uh, a slot streaming provider with over 33,000 subscribers on YouTube. Now uh, Josh, for for me, uh, a gambling addict in recovery, uh, I became fixated with slots and understand just how addictive they can be. Um, For you Josh, this is obviously a career as an affiliate and so I guess we should start with a little bit more about you and your
0: experiences
1: and what got you into online slots.
0: Sure Ryan and thanks for having me on. Um, so I've actually been working in the gaming industry for maybe over 10 years now. I was in uh, finance, in investment banking, I wasn't enjoying it um, and a f- friend of mine who's actually a business partner in, in Fruity Slots and another streamer, Jamie, started a um, a job with a startup company in the UK Um as a an affiliate manager for online bingo, you know, really at the beginning of sort of the old whole online gambling, um, and you know, he really enjoyed it. They were they had a few products at the time. Um, they had a casino and they had a poker skin. Um, I was very into into poker as a player and, and watching it then. And I was looking for something that interests me a lot more. Um, and he said, you know, come in for an interview. And that was it. And then, you know, I started and I learned the ropes, and I was an affiliate manager um, at this company that actually got bought out by Playtech, who are obviously one of the biggest gaming software providers. Um, and that had ver- various roles with, within the industry, What went on to head up William Hill's online affiliate business at one point. Um, I was doing sports affiliation, so oh, I yeah, I always sort of, you know, geared back towards poker. That's where my passion was. I was doing a lot of poker affiliation for this company. And then an opportunity came up to actually work with a a poker affiliate. And it was actually a staking business where they were sponsoring players to play, um, trying to sponsor, you know, professional players that could actually make money in, in mainly offline tournaments, but also online and I was sort of managing that business. Some difficulties with that business, um, mainly on the you know dealing with such huge amounts of money. That they were sponsoring some of the best poker players actually in the world at the time, and there were some brilliant moments and times out in Vegas. We had some problems there. One of the founders of that company actually ended up purchasing a um, betting exchange called Matchbook five, six, seven years ago. I went on to um, work on the the marketing there. And, and ultimately, again, I left and set up my own sports affiliate business. There was a period about five years ago where a lot of the free bet offers that were so traditional with, with the bookmakers, you know, deposit 10, get 10 pound free bet, what have you, they all started to shift a little bit. And there was a period where all these bookmakers were offering enhanced odds. So, um, you know, instead of getting, I don't know, two to one on Arsenal to win, it might be 10 to 1. And and I had a whole website that was really focused on all these enhanced odds. And it was actually at the time um, when I went to one of these affiliate conferences, and I spoke to a friend of mine who asked me if I'd looked into Twitch as a business. Um, and I said, well, not really, because I do sports. And I, I knew at the time Twitch more for gaming and also poker. A few poker players had started play on Twitch and it made sense because it was sort of strategy and you got to watch people play tournaments and how they're doing and sort of that learning aspect. That that made a lot of sense to me. And he said, no, um casino, we've we've got some, you know, big casino affiliates that started it playing slots. And that was a bit surreal to me because I'd I was always interested in gambling, um, being in the industry and also as a poker player and some sort of live casino experiences. But I'd never really been a, a big slots player. I was so aware of slots obviously working in the industry. I couldn't quite understand you know the you know what, what the appetite was for people to watch other people play slots um but i you know I went home and did some research and saw how engaged the audience was. I spoke to Jamie literally that day, and he he was into slots and he'd played slots. I said, well, this is really interesting um sports." Affiliation's very, very competitive. This is quite new. We've obviously got all our experience in in gaming and marketing. We both like gambling. You know slots more than me. You know, let's start this channel. So I was really new to slots as a streamer, but ultimately as a gambler, um, it wasn't hard to to sort of get into it and enjoy it. And you know, that's one of the important you know, it's an old cliche, but you know, if you if you enjoy what you do for work it doesn't sort of feel like work um and you know that 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 rings true and and starting the channel and you know s- slots certainly not my passion but the more I've been involved in it and and playing it yes I have a very big interest now in in games and what games I enjoy and what I don't enjoy and how games may change and problems with games and etc etc so you know that that is essentially how the channel started and, and my introduction into slots and streaming. It wasn't one of those, you know, other other sort of stories where I'd always played slots from a young age and, and then saw these channels and jumped on it. I mean, I had played, you know, the, the FOB tees and the fruit machines and the pubs and what have you. And Jamie, again, was very involved in that growing up. Um, and that, you know, and, and that was how the, the channel started.
1: Oh, awesome! I mean, I, I do know that you're interested in in poker, and you know, you talk about uh, Twitch streams and stuff, and that's something that I did, you know, when I was when I was gambling too. Um, so, so yeah, I had seen that you you had an interest to, in that. And on a personal level, it's something that I spoke about in part one of the podcast. Is I was never attracted to online slots originally, uh, simply because um, I didn't think there was much in it in terms of the the jackpots were big enough. Whereas, obviously, when I was playing poker, for example, you know, I've won some big. Big tournaments online uh cashing some big stuff and and so it seemed like a, a really um a natural gravitation to me where all of this money was available it's only when i got involved in slots and started watching streamers and then doing it myself uncontrollably um that i realized actually you know there are some you can hit big on them um and as i' say that's not glamorizing slot machines but um that's why i didn't gravitate towards them originally now in part one of the show we were chatting about how there are some people in recovery like me that still watch slot streams uh, now being um being a-, a gambling addiction recovery podcast this isn't something that i would condone because I-, I don't believe it to be of benefit to my recovery at all however when i read through uh, well whenever i read through the comments of, of streams of certain streams at least i'm often taken aback with just how many people uh, that claim to be in recovery that that do watch streams and is that something that you've picked on uh, picked up on at all
0: yeah uh, listen a, a hell of a lot and surprisingly so we get let's flip it to start with and talk about you know the the people that will say that we're we're you know creating a bigger problem or creating problem gamblers and what have you. We have far, 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 I mean, you know, almost 90% plus of the comments. Forget about all the other comments in between, whether we've created a gambler or, or helped someone. Very, I can't, I don't even think I've ever received an email to say, I've started watching you guys or watch you guys and it's led to problems. Now, that may have happened and and they didn't want to reach out to us or feel the need to to pin blame or what have you. And certainly people in the chat um, haven't, again, accused us as streamers causing their own problems. But we have been taken back by not just the amount of comments, but also personal emails, social media, private messages to say how much we've helped them, you know, in recovery or or even if they're not in recovery, just curb their desire to, to want to play slots and fill the void. You know, plenty of people that are nowhere near recovery and don't even have problems have just said, you know, I, I had a budget or whatever that budget was and I used to spend slots. It's now half that or I don't even play slots anymore. I get my fix for you guys. And when we started the channel, for sure we, you know, weren't anticipating that side of it. And it's still a surprise how many people, you know, reach out to us and message us to say, you know, it's really great. And and not just on the, you know, the recovery side. We're talking about other people that are suffering other mental issues and depression and what have you, or, or lost the job and they feel like they've become part of a community and we help actually, you know. I won't say boost their moral, but a form of entertainment. They really enjoy watching us, and you know, a bit of escapism. We've got some really nice emails from people, even recently, to that respect, and 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 that's really nice. And actually, working in an industry that some people may say is a bit morally corrupt, messages like that are brilliant. And I've I've had some really, you know, and say touching ones, but ones I've even gone on to send to my mum or or friends who who sometimes make it you not know, a bit of stick and say read this and they say oh, that that's actually really nice like that's great um yeah. so yes a hell of a lot at the same time when people you know are in our live chat talking about it and saying listen i'm looking to try and stop gambling and this and that we will point them towards you know the traditional methods of, of gamban and gamstop and helplines and make sure you speak to your friends and family like first and foremost that that Part of being honest is so important. And you know, I do say I don't believe watching someone gamble is is helpful, you know, but I'm not in that position and for sure it seemed to have helped some people. So, you know, I my advice would be try and stay completely clear of any form of gambling. Whether that's watching or what have you. But for sure some people it 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 seems to be their way of um, you know, dealing with it. There's just that worry that they're still a bit too close to, you know, that that tipping edge.
1: It's great to hear someone like yourself, Josh, um, to be honest, recognising that for those that have experienced significant uh, gambling harm, that you yourself agree that those people that are in recovery from a, a gambling addiction should, in an ideal world, not be watching online streams. And for me, that's something that I've worked on over the past 10 months. I used to watch a hell of a lot of streaming content, and now it's very rare for me to do so. However, my aim over the coming weeks is to come off of that Now, obviously, um, we know how streaming works from an affiliate's perspective, something that you've got a lot of experience in. And as I say, this podcast isn't about casting any judgment on that, nor the ethics of it. And in fact, I I really appreciate you coming on and having this open discussion. Uh, I'm sure from your perspective, Josh, and that's something that we have just touched upon, you wouldn't want any of your subscribers or those that use your affiliate links to be victims of gambling harm and i guess this might be a two-pronged question firstly do you think that streamers that play high stakes push the boundaries a little bit and secondly would you say that slot streamers have a moral obligation as you touched upon a few moments ago to signpost to support services
0: um listen it's it's a really good question it's an interesting topic if i felt from the audience listen we have such a core audience of you know people in our chat just recognize those names that they're, they're there, not every stream but you know we're so familiar with so many of, of the viewers and i believe we would get quite a good impression if we were you know streaming or, or doing something that was then you know having an effect or, or, or causing you know i think we know from the viewers from just their comments and how they talk about what they're doing in the week they're very honest, you know, when they gamble that, that it's leading them to emulate or, oh my God, I've seen you play five pound stakes. I really want to try that. We, we, it's still amazing how many people are just we we because we ask them, we we know, we talk about those those sorts of topics, and you know, they are they are twenty p betters or fifty p betters, and watching the streams is just watching the streams as a form of entertainment. It's not a copycat sort of uh, method. If if it was, and we were getting more feedback and it was clear that, you know, that was the case and knowingly, as in we could tell, then yes, we would be more responsible or have to decide how, how we, you know, you know, run our streams and what we do. I said from the outset of the channel that I try and be true to myself and, and sort of gamble how I would. And I'm an emotional gambler. And when I'm losing sometimes I'm very angry um not in in terms of like the problem way, but like just an emotional person or you know and and sometimes let's say I lose my head I can. that's how I gamble, and sometimes I can quickly go from you know doing this to okay, i'm on the roulette tables and and there are part there are sometimes where you think that's really shit because you've just lost quite a lot of money very quickly. Um, And again, you know, we're we're clear to the audience to say, you know, this is, you know, this, this is not something that, you know, should be replicating. But at the same time, I felt that it's better for the audience, possibly, or for myself to try and be natural than to try and run, put on a stream where it's a bit more staged. I'd find it harder to do. And, that's, and do you think that's
1: important to show those losses as well, because that sort of is, is the, the, the truth of, of slots um, yeah, you know, when we talk about course. RPT and stuff?
0: It's massively important. Now, we have a bit of so one of the problems we have is as a channel, we live stream and the videos we upload are either offline sessions where we're playing slots and collecting, playing bonuses and showing that. And that session can easily be win or lose. It's irrelevant. And then when we have big wins within our streams, we edit them and upload them. And people say, you're only showing big wins. This is unrealistic. We're not at all, actually. Because if anyone watches the streams, we're not. The reason why we're showing that video is because it's something to show. There isn't anything to show of me doing a highlight of 10 minutes on the slot where there's no wins. There's no... There isn't a highlight. The only purpose of me doing that video would be to say, well, this is what can happen when you gamble. But people will see enough of that in our live streams or these bonus compilations where at the end of the video we say, okay, we lost 500 or okay, we lost 1,000. So the big, you know, the argument for that big wins is purely we're not just plastering big wins to say that's all we get. It's just because that is the content that's something to watch. When you play a slot in general... The majority of games are geared towards a bonus, a bonus round. That's where the sort of extra features come in, and the wins and what have you. And that's what we're showing. So it really is. It's a quite, bit like, it's it's a
1: bit like cool. match of the day, really. You're, you know, when they show the highlights. It's a
0: highlights. So show the highlights. No one shows match of the day as a highlight aren't going to show the 10-minute boring part of the game. The viewers don't want to watch that. There's no, nothing's happened.
1: No, totally understand that. And and, and on, our, on our show, we do like to talk about the politics side of things too. Um, you know, with the possibility of the introduction of state caps and other restrictive features, you know, such as the possible reduction of slot speed and, and such. Is this something that, um, I, again, you touched upon it earlier on in the show, that you, you, you clearly are keeping tabs on? And just how much do you feel that that might impact stream
0: um, okay, this is quite a big topic and, you know, we could almost do a separate podcast on this. And I just listened to your review show of season two. So I believe, was that your last one for season two? It, it was, season was two? from
1: season two, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, you had Caroline Harris and um, Ronnie Cowan on the show and there, there are some great points there and some points I completely agree with and there are some other points where it's not that I disagree, it's i i don't understand or i want to know you know where where's where's the data and evidence behind certain stuff so let's take some some aspects in isolation credit cards makes perfect sense and i think it makes perfect sense to everyone you shouldn't be able to gamble on credits money you don't have that makes sense you know you should be you should be gambling with money that you do have whether you afford that or don't can't afford those losses, but it's money that you have, it's not something the bank's money. Credit card makes complete sense, should have been done ages ago or even at the beginning. But we know right, right, right at the beginning. I'm not even talking about five years ago now, ten years ago, it really was the Wild West in terms of regulation, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So certain things like that completely agree. And then Caroline might mention or someone else talk about well, the speed of slots. Now what I don't completely understand and I've spoken to people within the casino industry and the operators is that if it is evidence and scientific led and data led, then great. But my understanding from speaking to the game providers as well, it hasn't been. So is, is there enough evidence to say, well, there's the, the, the turbo spins, these problem gamblers are clicking the turbo spins and they're losing more quicker, etc. And it's causing more problems if, there, if that had, you know, the, the evidence and data and the research was there and the reports there and then say, OK, we can make the decision. But I think some decisions are just made almost not the blunt knife, but from above or people that maybe don't completely understand the big picture. And that's where problems occur, because actually slowing down the slots, slots in general some people may be really engaged and interesting and you talk about whether they're designed to be addictive or whether it's flashing lights or graphics or sound effects or, or what have you. But slots in general, um, especially nowadays with the volatility in them, can be quite boring. You could spend hundreds and hundreds of spins, very little happens within what we call the base game, which is the you know before you get to a bonus. Um, and actually then, then the customer's bored now, what happens if they're bored? Do they just stop playing completely? Then great. You know, have the, have the UKGC or whoever achieve something. Well, no, they're not trying to get people to stop gambling. They're trying to protect people, protect vulnerable, stop people becoming potentially problem gamblers. So I would say maybe, no, they haven't achieved that from getting someone to stop because they're bored. That's not their objective. And two, maybe they won't stop. Maybe they need to get their fix somewhere else because they're bored and they want to gamble. Do they jump on the roulette table because they need a quicker fix? Do they do something else? So for some decisions made, I'm not saying I'm for or against it. I'm saying that from speaking to people within the industry, they haven't given clear, say, this is why it was done because of this paper and research that was led. And for me, that's where I think there can be some problems. So I can't turbo spin anymore and Caroline, I say, you know, it's it's too it's too quick, losing too quickly. But I can withdraw two hundred and fifty pounds of my bank, go into Labrook, and put a twenty-one shot on a horse. The probability, probability, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose that instantly. Doesn't doesn't add up. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be a perfect package here, but you know, some things just don't seem to add up and make complete sense. Now, if a gambler's is going to gamble, are they going to continue to gamble now? that we've got to make the industry safe for sure and and protect these vulnerable and all these instruments coming in and some of them are great and i think some of them actually again i was listening to this podcast and I thought well there are these stories about you know these people that gamble these obscene amounts or managed to gamble a year's wage within a few days and I, I don't know if it was yourself or someone else talked about their experience with Kasumo.
1: yeah chris um uh, one of our co-hosts yeah
0: so I don't believe, I could be wrong, but I'm not sure nowadays, as in right now, that could happen. Because there's been a lot of change with deposit limits, with cooling down, with I don't think you could get that amount of money on a casino for that to happen. So there are changes that you know weren't there six months ago, even a year ago. I've had, you know, I have problems depositing on, on numerous sites now and affordability checks. So I think that side has improved. But there is this danger with things like taking away bonus buys. Um, Was the evidence there? Did someone just look at that and say, that is crazy that someone can buy a bonus of 200 pounds Let's get rid of that. And they got rid of it. This
1: was the next question that I wanted to ask. So just to put this in context to some of our listeners that may never have played uh, a slot before. So, for example, if I, let's say, if I, uh, just to explain the bonus buys, if I was playing a 20p state, let's say, it would cost um, usually 100 times the spin value. So that would be 20 pounds for a bonus buy. 50p, 50 pounds, a pound, 100 pounds, etc. Now, obviously, uh, this is something that the UK Gambling Commission um, banned. And yet there are slots out there, and I know from playing them um, as, as well as, as yourself, uh, Josh, is you can spin up to 40, 50, 100 pounds per spin in a couple of seconds. And there are some out there still that you allow you can, you can spin up to 300 pounds per spin every couple of seconds. Now, you've touched upon it. Some of these decisions sort of just don't make sense to me. So you're stopping someone buying a bonus buy for, say, £20, if a 20-piece a stake, yet they could then go on to another slot potentially and spin £300 like that.
0: Yeah, so listen, that leaves down to the, the the state limits, which I'm sure will be introduced. And you're right, it, it doesn't make sense. And my argument, and it's not an argument or when I have these conversations, is that If data is produced and research is done and it backs up that actually gamblers or slot players or problem gamblers or potential, you know, people gambling couldn't afford, were buying these bonuses and losing money too quickly, etc. And, you know, the, the casino should be able to collect that information, the slot providers. And if the research was done and presented and it was clear, this is a problem, this is causing issues. We're going to revoke it. Then fine, that that that's been done. But it wasn't done. So then you have to ask: Well, someone or a few people, you know, whether it's within the UKGC or lobbyists or whatever, are making decisions that actually should they be allowed to make? You should they be the ones making those decisions? And that's where I'm all for I'm all for change and and regulation, etc. But I think it sort of needs to be warranted and backed up you know, almost by the science and data. It's like, we, you know, this whole pandemic at the moment and, and this horrible virus and a lot of the decisions being made, you know, people are questioning, is this right? Is this right, tiered system, et cetera. But they are ultimately, the politicians are going back to their, the scientific data, trying, you know, whether that's right or wrong, and some data might not be right, that's where the, the, the you know, the, the crux of the decisions are, are being made from and... With some of these decisions that are coming in or implemented, I could be wrong. Maybe the data you know, it has and research has been done. But again, I have spoken to some senior people within the industry on on a casino level, on a game provider level, and they don't believe it was done or the, the consultation was there. It was quite a quick and, and, and sharp move. I was going to say on that, on the flip side
1: to that, I think that sometimes, you know... Um, I think one of the most simplest uh, data methods is um, unfortunately in this sort of uh, industry being that is gambling is is financial data. Um, and I, I think sometimes the industry can be quite secretive with regards to that. So if that's not readily made available, it can be quite difficult for the decision makers. And I'm, I'm like you, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, it should be evidence-led uh, as well. Um, so, but I, as I say, is, and one thing that we do have in common, most certainly is that um, there are some decisions in there that just don't add up uh, one way or another and uh, the priorities do seem to be a little bit jiggled
0: yeah and listen you're not you know you're not going to get the perfect recipe you know with sometimes with anything when there's changes or a new regulation and and it takes time there is danger that once a certain decision has been made it's probably not going to be revoked. And why? Because the casinos and, and uh, the game providers don't really want to start lobbying and It doesn't look great. And that, would they have any joy in it? And is it even really worth it? It doesn't really make a difference to their bottom lines that much anyway. So, so be it. Why are they going to do it just to support a few players that really miss it or think it should be there? Because ultimately, if it hasn't affected anyone's bottom line, then it also means the change actually is a bit it wasn't needed in the first place. It didn't make any difference. So fine, they'll just leave it. But there are these dangers that some things that are then taking away from a user experience, you know, if you keep, you know, just chopping away, chopping away, then, you know, what, what what's the user left with? And, and what are the pitfalls? And then where do people go if that whole online experience? Because at the moment, we're sort of talking about, you know, the 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 gamblers that can gamble within their means or responsibly and for entertainment. Obviously we can talk about the other side. But but these guys that, you know, are playing for fun or enjoyment and if that's being cut up each time from what, you know, the the um you know the governing bodies are, are, are you know trying to deem a safer environment. But then they've actually made it very boring and slow and monotonous is we don't know yet, because this is all new, but you know what does it lead to and and where does it go? we've seen some slot providers that said, "Okay, bonus buys go, but now we're just going to introduce a game which effectively is a bonus buy, so you're not spinning traditionally you're going into the game and triggering the feature straight away at a slightly increased cost, so almost the minimum is twenty pounds. And you're getting the feature for that £20 rather than being able to go into a game and spin at 20p. So, again, that's almost like a big, you know, finger up to the decision of the bonus buyers. And they've got to go away with that. And that hasn't changed. So, again, it's all these things that you look at and just think, well, really, people are being pulled in too many directions here. And, and you know, how is it going to um, form a happy medium? I'm not sure it will.
1: And before we go, Josh, I know that you're really keen to talk about the possibility of stake caps and how that could impact yourselves and other streamers.
0: I don't know where it goes. I think obviously with, with the FOBTES it it seems very likely well, it's almost, you know definite there will be a stake cap. Whether it mirrors the land base at two pounds, um, or maybe is it five pounds in the casino? Uh
1: f- yeah, I think it might. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. So yeah, whether
0: they mirror that, um, yes. I Where would it take streamers in the UK? Not quite sure. Some people that generally are still playing at a level above that, and that's where they enjoy and wouldn't enjoy playing otherwise, they may just stop. Others may, you know, carry on to sort of keep their business going from my perspective, I enjoy the rush of, of of some of the bonuses and the wins and the monetary value is important, so if you completely cut that away and I'm winning an amount that I'm not getting a buzz from, I don't really see myself streaming for the sake of keeping the channel going because it won't be too genuine. I don't think I'll completely stop, but as much and however, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to sit in front of a camera for three hours if I'm bored. If I'm not bored, I'll, I'll carry on doing it. Um, so I think streaming will be impacted by it for sure. Um, affordability, I don't know what they'll do. You know, m- maybe streaming will become impossible because if they add caps on it that even people that can afford a lot more can't because they they sort of blanket an approach, then I think streaming for sure may, in the UK may die because if someone can only deposit I'm just saying, 150 pounds a month. Okay, I make you know. I'm saying a figure. Then you know the streamers that are depositing 1,000 pounds a day or, or per stream are they going to carry on? I, I, you know, I wouldn't do it there. Um, hopefully, they can find a way of doing affordability by the actual player, but that seems quite difficult. That's going to be very technical to be able to say, okay, this this player, this user has legitimately sent in proof of, you know. Wealth and source of income to say he can afford X amount a month. So call it a thousand pounds. We're now going to a, those all those games he play can have those sorts of stakes on there. it. It's very difficult. That's very technical. But you know, if they really come in at a low level, that that will hurt the industry in a big, big way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and totally get that. I think you know we've we've talked about um and something that you know i personally favor is more of a sort of soft cap introduction uh, where there is still that flexibility for high rollers and uh, people that can afford to gamble within their means and and essentially uh, that can gamble responsibly um you know for me i can't gamble um if i gamble it, it's it, i i just can't gamble responsibly so um so a soft cap is something that you know I, I believe is 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 can go that way and and i say that because the vast majority of people you know can gamble within their means and you know it wouldn't necessarily impact them so yes there will be a significant yet smaller percentage of people that that would impact um however with the right sort of checks and such um I I genuinely believe that is an option
0: listen I hope they can do that I hope they can do it in a way to actually you know if someone can afford to gamble at the level they're currently gambling then don't take that away from them because there's an element of you know that is what they do for their hobby and entertainment you know it's gambling in this country you know probably in a bad way is you know so ingrained in the culture and and what have you and you know that's a separate conversation so removing someone's I wouldn't say freedom but you know completely cutting their head off if they you know they're not in any problem category and can afford it that's a that's a difficult um path to go down you know and you know the, you know on the flip side all these game companies that might employ hundreds or thousands of people etc where does it go so Hopefully they can find the right balance between, you know, protecting the consumers, but, you know, at the same time, still allowing a level for, for those that, that can do it within their means.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Josh. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time uh, for coming on and chatting with us today. It would have been really simple in fact for you to bury your head in the sand. And yet here we are two very different people and on totally different journeys to one another having an open discussion about online slots and what might be to come and that concludes today's opening show of season three make sure you join us next week for more as we discuss Chinese culture and gambling with Dr Edward Kwan from over in Hong Kong and Kent Wu who's based over in San Francisco and part of the Nikos Chinese health coalition until such time take care and remain gamble free peace and love to you all
0: you've been listening to the all bets are off podcast to find out more about the creators of the pod then please visit our website www.allbetteroff.co.uk and don't forget to give us a follow on twitter
2: at all bets off underscore and share this podcast with others until next time stay safe and remain gamble free thank you for listening